what a day to celebrate. I'd like to open today with a scripture, and you can just keep waving those fans. Every once in a while, wave them my way if that would be okay. This is, uh, this is a scripture that we're going to be parking on for the next couple weeks from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and also a bit of an excerpt from Colossians chapter 3. And so it says this. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We just sang this song, no longer I who live, but Christ in me. That's what this is talking about. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. And here's Colossians 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Amen. Amen. Good morning. So happy to be with you today. So excited to be starting out this new series that we'll be spending time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just a couple quick things. Um, if you didn't notice, on our community Ave side of the street, uh, we've got a ministry that meets here called Trail Life. And this past week, they, in the midst of 98 degree weather, they re-landscaped a section of our, um, of our, what is it called? Parkway, whatever it's called, like that, the area next to, the side, in between the sidewalk and our area. And, um, and they did some new landscaping with some rocks and some really great pavers. And so can we just, I know that they aren't here, but can we just thank them? Norm, you're here. Norm, can you stand up for us? Hey, Norm. Norm, Norm. Norm. So how hot was it? I don't remember. <laughs> It, it looks incredible, and so as you leave today, maybe leave out Community Ave and just look on the side of the, of the, where the, where the park, um, sidewalk hits. It is beautiful, and you guys did such, such a great job. Thank you for all your help. And I know that the kids, uh, the, the young people, they needed to accomplish some things for their, uh, call it for their badges or for their next tier up, right? Um, but this was above and beyond, and so we really appreciate it. Um, next thing, if you didn't see, um, we've converted our lobby into uh, like a diner today. And so we're having uh, a potluck family lunch after service. And so we just encourage you to stick around whether you brought food or not. I heard from uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Frost. Where are you, Ryan, in the house, Ryan? No? Okay. He brought like three pork shoulders, six pork shoulders. So we're having pulled pork for days here, okay? And it's going to be amazing. So stick around after service, grab some lunch, hang out with people around you, and it's just going to be a time to be together. Uh, last thing, and we're going to have this update available for you out in the lobby after service, is um, financial update for the year and also for the month. We are, um, we finished, June was rough. We, I think we finished June about $10,000 in the red. We finished July... $1,100 in the black. So this is, God is good. And you, God is working through you to help move this ministry forward. And so we're so grateful 
for your generosity and for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for that. Just keep it up. We'll have all of the detailed information out in the lobby after service. Okay. You guys ready? Okay, let's get started. So as I said before, today we're starting up a three-week mini-series rooted in our opening scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, called The New You. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And that's you. If you're a Christian, that's you, the new you, the new y'all. And in this mini-series, we're going to be taking a closer look at what this new life in Christ is really all about. And really, the three things that we emerge from the grave with Jesus carrying. And those three things are a new heart that, he had, that we've received from him, a new name that we've been called by him, and finally, what we're starting with today is a new future that we've been given through him. So three weeks, a new heart, a new name, and a new future. Cool. But why are we talking about this? Out of all the things that we could be focusing on as we lead into the fall, why are we talking about new stuff some more? Well, it's because this reality that we would be new, this new heart, new name, new future, this newness is really the motivation, the primary motivation for God's mission in the world. And it's the primary focused vision for Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Friends, everything in the gospel points to you being new. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes would not perish but have eternal life. All of Scripture, all of the gospel is leading to this end. And it points to you being new. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here because I'm not saying that the Bible and the gospel is about you. Because it's not. The Bible is about God and the gospel about, is about his love for us. So it isn't about us, but everything in here points to us. It's for us, so we might have eyes open to see his goodness. And as the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 6, that we would walk in the newness of life. God's great work, his kingdom vision and mission, they aren't about us, but they include us because he loves us so much and he wants us to live, that's what this book is, is pointing to, he wants us to live and experience life as it was always intended to be. And that's two things. Found in his love and free by the power of his Holy Spirit. God wants two things for us. That we would be found in his love. What's lost is found. And that we would live free by the power of his Spirit. Now what do I mean by this? Let me explain. If you have been made new by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. God wants you to live new in the name of Jesus today. He doesn't want you creating these compartments in your life, these compartments in your heart and mind for who you are and who you used to be. God doesn't want you to dance back and forth between the old and the new. God doesn't want you to wonder if you're good enough for his love. God doesn't want you to, to wonder if you've done enough to be forgiven. God doesn't want you to wonder if you've behaved enough to be in his family. No, God just wants you to know and be known who you are now, that you are no longer lost. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are no longer lost, but you are found all because of his love. And like any good dad, God doesn't want you to, to question his affection either. 
God wants you to have confidence, to live free in who you are as his people, as his family, because of his investment, because of his invitation and power, his adoption and sacrifice and his favor toward you. God wants you to be found in him and to live free by his spirit. And this is, and this is really it. If there's one thing I want you to think about and roll around for the next couple weeks, it's this, that if you are with Jesus, then God made you new forever. Every part of you is new. The old is gone, the new has come. It doesn't matter how good or bad you were before. The mistakes, the success, the fears, the failure. If you're with Jesus, the former things have passed away and all that's left, all that's left is the new you. A new heart, a new name, and a new future. So, okay, as we dig into this new life, that we have been saved into, like I mentioned just a moment ago. We're starting today talking about a new future that we've been given, or as John chapter three calls it, the eternal life. The eternal life. And we're starting there because it's our eternal life that must ultimately bring focus and direction for everything we do, for every thought we think, and every step we take. Our eternal life supernaturally teleports us to, to a, a road, a new road called faith, and it adopts us into a new home called heaven. If you are a new, a new creation, friends, if you consider yourself a Christian, if you've given your life to Jesus, the reality that you now occupy with every single breath is that of eternity in the kingdom of God. Eternity does, does not start when you die. Eternity starts when you die to yourself and you're raised to life with Jesus. And this reality, this future that you've been given, it changes everything about you. There is nothing in you that your eternal life doesn't touch. Your mind, your soul, your heart, your passions, your direction, your motivations, your opinions, your past decisions, and present decisions, your new future that you've been given, it updates your expectations. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that this eternal life, it needs to update your expectations for what's possible, but also your expectations for what you are responsible for in your life. In this new future you've been given, everything has changed, whether you know it or not. Everything has changed when you give your life to Jesus, which, whew, if you're anything like me, which I never expect anyone to be like me. But if you're anything like me, sometimes change can be a bit of an adjustment. Anybody? To really kind of process change, start to live it out. It can be hard even to, to remember the change in you sometimes, especially when so much around you has remained the same. It can be a challenge to anticipate the, the new life and the new direction and, and the new expectations and how, it, and how it plays out. Like, for example, when Rebecca and I first got married, we had to learn how, how and what it meant to start a new life together. Has anyone been married? You know what this is like. You gotta figure it out. I was 30, she was almost 27, I got a picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. That blonde was natural, okay? <laughs> Oh, we were just babies. You're a baby. I love you, babe. It was her birthday on Thursday, if you didn't know. Can we all just turn and say happy birthday to Rebecca? 
all right. So you can clear that off real quick. But listen, we were, um, I was 30 and she was 27. She was almost 28. And we had both lived a whole lot of life before meeting each other. But here we were. We had decided to get married. We were standing on the altar before friends and God, and we were committing to a new life together. Two characters from two separate stories being written into one, choose your own adventure. It was our choice to be married. It was our choice to step into this future. Still, it was an adjustment. Especially when, after we got married, immediately after, we moved into the house that I had already lived in. And we moved into the house that I had owned. And so I, when I was young, I, uh, younger, I bought a duplex. And I had a bunch of guys living with me and a bunch of guys living on the other side. And so when we got married, I kicked out the guys on my side. And I said, Becca, come on in. I got a house for us to live in. And, and listen, a house that I lived in and I made habits in. And I had experiences in. And I had expectations about. We did not jump into a fresh start when we got married. Now, the house we lived in held my past but now it also became our future. And so, so even though so much of us had changed inside, inside, when I looked around, most of my life still looked pretty similar. I remember the first year of marriage, we had to learn how to do everything together from how we spent our time to how we spent our money to who would mow the lawn, that was Becca, to who would do the laundry, that's me. We worked out insecurities and frustrations. We continued to grow in our trust for one another and, and how we would learn to love one another. This is just how it worked. And it was a lot. This new life, it was an adjustment and it was, it was so worth it. It was so worth it. But still, even with all the investment and return, we still had to choose to commit to this new life together if we really wanted to be faithful to the vows we made. We had to choose to see all the former things around us through the lens of this new future that we had stepped into called marriage. Because, y'all, the old was gone. Bachelor David, he gone. Bachelor Rebecca, she's gone. Times had changed. We were no longer walking individual paths. Now we shared a street. We were no longer our own. We chose to become one and now occupy this beautiful new life together. This was the reality we chose. But friends, we, we still had to figure out how to live in it. And I know that I might be mixing metaphors just a bit from my marriage, my relationship to our faith to help illustrate a point. But y'all, there is a reason the scripture calls us the bride of Christ. The relationship we see between the church and Jesus is that of a marriage where two become one. So it makes sense. It makes sense that just like in any relationship, it can take some time to figure it out. It takes time to see the past and the present through the lens of our eternal life with Jesus. It's an adjustment. It's an adjustment. Still, just like the first year of any marriage, if you want to be faithful to the vows you made, if you choose to give your life to Jesus, you must continue to choose to live your life for Jesus. If you choose to become one with Jesus for eternity, then you are no longer your own for today. Everything about you has changed. You are new. You are found, and you are free. But you aren't free to wander aimlessly on your own. You were saved to share. You were saved to share the street. 
with your good Father in heaven, with his family, the church, as he leads you into a new future together. Amen? Amen. But what does this look like? All that said, what does this look like? How can the new you begin to see today with everything that we encounter? How can the new you begin to see today through the lens of the new future you've been given? How can we begin to live today as God intends, like the eternal life has already begun? Because it has. That's the question that I'd like to, to address as we walk through the rest of our time today. So if you have your Bibles, as we consider this new life we've been given, would you just follow me quickly to Colossians chapter 3? And I'm not supposed to say this because I know the whole Bible is amazing, but I think the book of Colossians is my favorite book in the scriptures. If you get a chance, even this afternoon, just to, to pick it up, open it up, and read it through, it'll take you like seven minutes. But it is a mind-blowing revelation of who God is and who you are in reply. So we're, we're going to Colossians chapter 3. And this book was written by, anybody know? Paul, good. If you're not kind of new to church, um, first of all, Colossians is in the second half of your Bible towards the end. And the Apostle Paul, if you didn't know, was at one point a pretty terrible guy. Uh, Paul, he was also called Saul earlier in the story. He was once like the MVP of persecuting Christians. He was the worst. He made it his life mission to identify, hunt down, lock up, and persecute followers of Jesus. It's just, it's who he was before Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And in the story, Jesus met him, saved him, transformed his life, and gave him a brand new future of possibility and responsibility as adopted family in God's house. And, and listen, if anyone in all of history, if anyone, uh, if there was ever anyone with a justifiably hard time of settling into a new life with Jesus, it, it would be him. If there was any if there was ever someone that, that would have a hard time of letting go to the past, it, it would be him. But instead, he was faithful to the vows he made. He no longer lived in the past, and God used him for absolutely unbelievable things, not the least of which writing the majority of the New Testament. So if anyone in the house today thinks that they are too lost to be found, take a look at Paul. If anyone here today thinks that there are just too many mistakes to overcome for God to use you, just look at Paul. Just look at Paul. And so it's him, Paul, writing to the first century church of Colossae in a time and place not dissimilar to what we're experiencing today. At the time, first century, there was this massive cultural pressure within the Roman Empire and social orders and other religious institutions. And it was this oppression towards the church to get them to give up their faith, abandon their faith, abandon Jesus, and return to their old way of life. So Paul, he's writing in Colossians, and he's reminding them of this new future they were given, the eternal life that is theirs, and to encourage them to remain faithful to the vow they had made. And this is kind of the lead-in, Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. And it's a bit of Bible, but just stick with me, it's so good. It says this, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So, verse 5. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. 
Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse 7, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. And Paul knew it because he lived it. But now he's encouraging them to, to keep the faith. You used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. Why? For you have been stripped of your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Verse 10, this is, quote, this is the end. Put on your new nature, the new you, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slaver-free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So, what did we just learn about living this new life we've been given? How can we begin to see our past and present through the lens of our eternal life? as eternal people with God and remain faithful to our vows. Three things, and I need you to repeat these after me too. We need to look up, we need to let go, and we need to put on. Say this with me, I know it's fun. Look up, let go, put on. One more time. Look up, let go, and put on. Let's start with look up. If you want to live faithful in the reality you've been placed in by God through your faith, if you want to see today through the eyes of eternity, you got to look up. Why? Because eyes determine direction. Eyes are a window to the soul. What you see, what you bring into your heart and mind, not only shapes your belief, but also your behavior. What you see and you bring into your mind and your heart, not only shape your belief, but also your behavior. Let's go back to being a newlywed for just a second. Because of my surroundings, when I first got married, uh, because they, they remained essentially the same. I lived in the same house, same job, same friends. It, it, was, it was essential that for me to step into this new life with Rebecca, I needed to look to Rebecca first in everything if I wanted to be faithful to her. I didn't always win, but I tried, babe. I love you. I couldn't look to my friends for how much time I should spend with them. I had to look to Rebecca. I couldn't, I couldn't look to how I used to do things around the house. No, I had to look at, at what Rebecca wanted too. Why? Because it wasn't about me anymore. It, was a, it wasn't about my vision for life. It was about me keeping my eyes fixed on our new life together. And this is what Paul is getting at in verse 1. Check it out. He says, Since you have been raised to life, new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits. If you've been raised... With Christ, keep your eyes where he is. Look up. Get your eyes up. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? Because you have died to your former life. You've died to the former things of earth, and your real eternal life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ is your life now. If you're a Christian, I know this is an adjustment, but if you're a Christian... Since you have been raised to new life, your eyes now belong to heaven. Your heart now belongs to heaven. Your thoughts, your vision, your direction, your motivation, they all belong to heaven. So look up. 
It's up to you. It's up to you to look up. But what is that, how does that actually play out? With all the stuff that's begging for our attention in our everyday, how, how do we actually focus and think about the things of heaven? Good question. I see it breaking down into two primary areas, two practices. It's a discipline and a devotion. Stick with me. How do you look up to eternity? How do you focus on the things of heaven? You need to first let go of the temporary. And this is our second point for today. How do you look up? You gotta first let go. If you wanna think about the realities of heaven, you need to first let go of the fallacies of this world. You need to let go of the former things that keep begging for your attention. Paul, in this passage, he goes so far as to say in verse five that you need to put to death your former way of life. Bury it, the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy. Don't be an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Verse seven, you used to do these things when your life was still part of the world, but now it's time to get rid of it. Get rid of, of anger and rage and malicious behavior and slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped away. You have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And I, and I get that this is heavy. I get that this is intense. But let's, let's be real. It's, it's actually real practical. This is really practical. If you want to be faithful to your, to your commitment to Jesus, you can't keep cheating on him with the world. If you're found by his love and set free by his spirit, you can't keep going back to your old life. You can't live new and keep messing around with the old. You can't keep messing around with impurity and lust. You can't live new and, and be greedy. You can't live new and give in to anger and rage and malicious behavior. You can't live new and slander and tell lies about one another. You can't live new and give in to your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. You gotta get low of the past. Paul's like, Jesus already raised you from the dead. You are a new creation. Quit living like you're still in the grave. And listen, I, I wanna be abundantly clear here. There is no nuance. There's plenty of grace within this life of faith, abundant grace. But there is no nuance to this. It might be an adjustment, but there is no justification for infidelity to Christ. If you are new, live new. If you've been given eternal life, it's time to live in reply. You gotta let go of the old. And listen, I, I know that this is, is hard. It's an adjustment. It's a discipline to let go of the past. I know that we all have something from before that's, that's constantly reaching out to us. I know that we all have relationships and reasons that lead us to relapse into our former ways all the time, where we're so blinded by the present, we lose sight of our eternal promise and the future we've been given. I, I get it. There are still some times in my own life, y'all, oh, goodness, if you only knew me at 24, There are still some times in my own life where because of some of the stupid stuff I did in my 20s, every time I get a phone call or a text saying, um, can we talk? My brain automatically flips back to 24-year-old David. So don't ever text me that, okay? <laughs> Give me a little bit more context with your text. It automatically flips back thinking, oh man, what did I do now? What did they figure out? I, I, 
I'm still held back by insecurities that formed in my 20s that keep me from seeing the future like God does. And so I get it. We've all got stuff. But if we are to live new with our eyes fixed on the realities of heaven, then we gotta let go of the past. Jesus already says it's gone. So we gotta let go. We gotta let go so we can, this is the third step, we're just about finished. We gotta let go so we can put on our new nature. You gotta strip off the old so you can put on the new. Paul says it in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. We need to daily, friends, daily put on our new nature and be renewed by him as we learn to know Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And we're letting go of the past. You know, letting go of the past, again, it's, it's, it's not easy, but it's simple. It's a discipline. You just stop doing the dumb stuff you weren't supposed to do, right? But, but when you put on your new nature, it's meant to be more of an act of devotion. It's an act of choosing to spend time with God. Choosing to be interested in learning more about who God is. It's choosing to make memories with God that not only fill in the gaps of what you left behind, but, but actually build a life and a future that far surpasses anything you thought possible. This is new you that you've been saved for, devoted to the future with God. This is the new you, but, but what is this, how does this look? What does it mean to put on your new nature? Because it's obvious, again, with the discipline of letting go, you just stop doing stuff. But the relational part of putting on your new nature, how does this play out? What are some simple steps, simple steps uh, to help renew your faith and relationship in God? Well, if you want to grow in your knowing of God and the eternal life you've been given, we talk about this a lot, but you need to spend time in your Bible. And the church says amen. Amen. If you want to know God more, you need to spend time in the scriptures. And not just to study for facts. For a, a lot of my life, I would, I would read the Bible to win debates. I would read the Bible so I, didn't, so I could like kind of solidify my perspective on area. So I didn't have to think about it anymore. I was like, all right, if I could just figure out how God feels about this thing, then I don't have to think about it anymore. And then it's already figured out. But that's not why we have the scriptures. We have the scriptures not to solve God, but to know God more. And to understand who God is and what God has done and who we are in reply. And so it's not just to study for facts, but to learn to better appreciate. We believe God gave us this book so we might better understand him and his heart for us. God gives us all we need through the scriptures to grow in faith and in obedience and devotion to him. So open your Bibles, open your Bible app, if you have a hard time reading, I get it. Sometimes it's hard to focus. Hop on YouTube, search Johnny Cash Reads the Bible. For real, it's a thing, and it's amazing, all right? Johnny Cash Reads the whole Bible, and it's, it's amazing. I'm just gonna say it. I've done it. And so anyway, get there. Get to the Bible. Do whatever you can to spend time with God and his word. God's spirit inspired the writing, and God's spirit inspires the reading. So get in the book, it's all in there. As you put to death your sinful earthly things, be renewed as you learn 
to know your creator through the scriptures. Now, the second thing, beyond just the scriptures, the second thing to putting on your new nature isn't, isn't just learning more about God. It's verse 10. It's learning to become like him. To become like, it's not just learning about him. It's to become like him. When God saved you, he raised you to new life with a new future. He recreated you to be like him, to love like him, and to respond like him. Why? So the world might know what he is like through your life. So the world might know what God is like through your life, through the new you. The Christian life isn't just a life of knowing, it's ultimately a life of becoming. By doing what Jesus said, by doing what Jesus did, by choosing to spend time with Jesus in prayer and worship filled by the Spirit, by choosing to share a street with Jesus and to follow him one step at a time. This is how we put on our new nature, to become more like Jesus and begin to set our sights on the realities above. We gotta let go, and you know it. We gotta let go so we can put it on, so we can look up and see the new future the eternal life that we've been given. And verse 11, one more time, says, in this new life we've been given, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it doesn't matter if you're a soccer mom, a single mom, or servant time in prison, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you know or you don't. You could have spent your whole life being really, really good or you could have been a Saul turned Paul and found yourself blinded by the goodness of God in a divine moment of, of intervention. Regardless, verse 11 says, this new life doesn't matter who you were, it matters who you are, and that Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. And Jesus Christ, he has done everything humanly and supernaturally possible to welcome you and to urge you into this new life. Jesus has done all the heavy lifting, literally to carry you out of the grave with him, to make you new and give you a new future, an eternal life, and he did it all. He did it all. Why? Back to 2 Corinthians 5. He died for all that those who live eternal should no longer live for themselves. But for him, Jesus, who died for them and was raised again. He did it all through his love for you so we might no longer live in the past, so we might no longer live for ourselves, so we might no longer live with limited vision fixed on the former things of earth, but instead that we would live for him, that we would live for him here and now in this new future we've been given that we would live in the newness of life with eyes fixed on the unlimited possibilities of eternity. And this is the good news that makes you, that makes y'all, the new you. So as we close today, and Rebecca, if you wanna come on up, I don't know where you are. You're around here, you're over there, hi. Hi. I love you. If you didn't know, she's, that's, that's my wife. If you didn't, if you're new. She was in the picture. Um, so listen, as we close today, I am under no assumption 
that we are all approaching this message from the same street. I know that some of you believe, in theory, and it makes sense up here, but, but you've yet to kind of cross the line of faith into true obedience where you give everything over to God, and I, I get that. We're all in different places. I know that some of you might be here to celebrate your family with dedications, and you're just counting down the minutes till lunch. You're like, give me that fan again. I need to get out of here. Some of you have been new for a long time. Some of you have been found for a long time, but you're still trying to figure out what it means to live free. I get it. But regardless of, of how you arrived when you took your seat today in this beautiful, historic space in the greatest city in the known world, my only request is this, that we would all just take a step. We're all coming at this message from different perspectives, from different streets, but the reality is we can all take a step, and that is my request, that we would just take a step. A step into a new life of hope. A step into a new life of love and purpose and possibility that awaits just on the other side of faith, just on the other side of decision. No turning back. No turning back. And, and so I just want to pray for you as I'm just, I, I just, I've been thinking about this moment all week, just thinking like, how can we end a message about newness without inviting people into newness? To calling people into just a simple step of faith into newness. And so in a moment, I just want to pray that God would open the eyes of your heart. That God would open your eyes to his goodness and his greatness and to the reality, for some of you, the reality of his existence. And that you would see how his love for you has the power to change everything about you. And I know that maybe for some of you this is for the very first time. And so I just want to pray for you. I want to encourage you and to challenge you, all of us, to take just one simple step of faith into the newness of life you were saved for. So bow with me, let's pray, and then we are going to sing in response. Jesus, we are so grateful for today. We are so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that you have called us out of the dark and into your marvelous light. Jesus, I ask, even in this moment, that you would lay heavy on all of us in this room and that you would be calling all of us into just a single step of faith. And maybe for some of us, and you know who you are, maybe for some of us, it's literally just choosing to take that first step of faith into belief and faith and obedience. To say, Jesus, if this is you, it's just saying, Jesus, I believe you're real. You're good. You love me. I give my life to you. Jesus, I want to walk in the newness of life. I give my life to you. And for some others in this room, Jesus, I ask that you would just lay heavy on us, that we would that we'd begin to, 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 to start to live out the freedom we've been given, that we would live free with you. So God, just lead us in a step of freedom today. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, we ask that you would lead us to greater obedience and to faith, that, that we would begin to see us and, and, and those around us through the same lens of eternity that you see us. God, that we believe we are new, every part, and we begin to live in reply. So Jesus, we, we love you and we thank you. Again, we ask that you would just continue to lay heavy on us, your spirit, your presence, as we go and as we sing. And so Jesus, in your name that we pray, and the church said,
Amen. Let's all stand and sing this together.